0: Okay, chapter 12, we will uh, start in verse 28. <clears throat> be careful, do I have that up there? No, I don't, I'm sorry. Correct me if I do that, which I will do that. Be careful to listen to all these words which I command you, so that it may be well with you and your sons after you for. After you forever, for you will be doing what is good and right in the sight of the Lord your God. When the Lord your God cuts off before you the nations which you are going in to dispossess, and you dispossess them and dwell in their land, beware that you are not ensnared to follow them. After they are destroyed before you, and that you do not inquire after their God, saying, How do these nations serve their gods that I also may do likewise? You shall not behave thus toward the Lord your God. For every abominable act which the Lord hates, they have done for their gods. For they even burned their sons and daughters in the fire to their gods. Okay, I'll leave that text up there, (coughs) because for for the duration, all I have is the text up on the overhead. So if you want to glance up and see the New American Standard, it will be there. (coughs) So verse 28, we read some of this, and we just kind of scratch our heads and say, why does God even have to say this? But he says it, doesn't he? vehemently, and repeatedly.
1: Yeah, it just seems like, it's kind of like a football team that that loses, that you would go, oh, I want to figure out how they were losing, and I don't want to do that. Like, that doesn't make any sense, but it seems so different, though, that it's kind of like, they may have been the losing team, but they were having a good time losing, you know, they a big old party over there or something like that. And it seems like that that's why it's so enticing, not because... Their God has conquered them, but they want to now imitate that. But just because of the actual things that they were doing is very fleshly.
0: Yes, I, I think there's going to be a lot of truth to that as we, as we study through and we think about what they saw when they went in to, to take the land, to dispossess the, the Canaanite uh, tribes that were there, if you will. and All the other nations, six or seven, however many there were. <clears throat> Excuse me, sorry about the cough this morning. So this paragraph emphasizes the imperative of knowing god 's words and his commands in order to do what is good and right before god 's eyes, seeking his approval being pleasing to him uh, and the and that 's his goal and intent, of course, in all this all of this, of course, knowing god 's word produces good and right living for us and the reason we should be desirous of that because it's covenant keeping, isn't it? It produces in us uh, being right before God's eyes and that should be every child of God these 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 his children and we today that should be our utmost desire in our lives to be, be uh, pleasing to him and to glorify him because he first loved us. We loved him. We love him also. And we want to be, uh, we want to be pleasing in his eyes. Uh, the imagery here, which we've already talked about a little bit, no, noting it again and re, kind of rehashing it. God is using Israel to obliterate these occupying uh, nations from the promised land. And he, he presents it like it's, it's already done. It's 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 a sure thing, okay. All all they have to do is just obey, just listen and follow, and do what he says. <clears throat> you know, like back in Deuteronomy seven and many many other places, God uh, promises the, the second generation that that uh, they would consume the occupants there without pity. They would just go in and just take it. That would be nearly effortless because it was going to be God doing the fighting. He's going to be the heavy lifting for them. Their trust and their obedience uh, guarantees the victory. And this is the message that, that is being uh, conveyed to them. It's not their own strength. It's not any ability. they have, these, are, these are, what are these? These are shepherds and these are farmers, right? Not fighters. They're not trained military people. But they have a great God, their commander in chief is, is all they need. <coughs> and actually, what he's cultivating here is perhaps them to see their own weakness and, and, and dependence on him. Um, so, so in verse um, in thirty, how foolish. Even if you glance at the text there, how, how foolish, even preposterous it would be to want to serve the pagan gods. This is what Tony was talking about. I try, I try to think about, they've not been there yet. You know, we've read the book. We know the book and this story and how it turns out. And we want to be, start making decisions for them before they've experienced something. But there's things they have seen that we haven't. We've read about. So it makes it difficult sometimes to just try to get a grasp on where they are in their thinking. Obviously, they need to hear this, right? They need this encouragement, they need this instruction. But the idea, if they can picture what's about to happen, now this is the second generation, right? So did they see, did they see what happened in Egypt? Small handful. Yeah, some of them. But the bulk, the bulk of them did not, did they? The second generation. So don't know. We are reasonably confident that these stories have been told over and over and taught over and over. And then God coming uh, through Moses to them to encourage them. It just lays a credence to what's being uh, what's being taught. But the idea, uh, of the idea of them saying, "Oh, let us, let's live and worship their gods like they did." Uh, the appetite for that must, the temptation must come in. Not what happens when they go into the land initially to fight and overthrow, but what they might stumble and fall in while they're there, and looking at how they conducted themselves, and. Some of those things might be enticing, as preposterous as some of the things seem to us at a first reading. But the warning is clear in their, their own uh, idolatrous hearts. is going to reap the same vengeance, if you will, from their own God if they, if they stray, if they step away from God's word and his instructions. The idea that God, in verse 31, he labels idolatrous worship, this idolatrous worship as abominable. I can't hardly say that word. Abominable snowman. Okay, I can say it that way. Abominable. Atrocious, horrendous, terrible. The kind of behavior that God forbids, and, and it's being done by these people. One description was the absolute absence of holiness, living that is atrocious, totally the opposite of what God would prescribe and who God is. (coughs) So who here can comprehend such atrocities? The idea of sacrificing children, we cringe at that, don't we? We cringe at it. We've heard some of the accounts uh, of, of what that might have looked like. We won't talk about that this morning. Uh, it's, it's enough for us to know what we know about it. But what of our idols today would have stop and taken aside? What about our idols today? Just think about the idea of the idols that are that can be in our hearts. And we know the idols that are in the hearts of people who do not know God in the world we live in. I will ask you how far away from people sacrificing their children to idols are we? Not. We are not. They are among us. And hopefully not us. Right? Things that hold our hearts captive and prevent our complete surrender to God impossible. Can we be guilty of of sacrificing our children to the idols of our hearts? Selfish ambition is an idol. And it can have many other Names associated with it. Just about every sin slides under the category of selfish ambition, doesn't it? Just about every sin that you can think of. How is abortion not what we're talking about? Just think about it. We won't spend time on it. Wealth, prosperity, position, recreation, comfort, entertainment, me stuff, hobbies. You name it, we are tempted by it. Especially apart from the word of God and the influence that God has on us with his words and his love demonstrated for us. God hates idolatry. Because it puts something it takes him out of the picture and puts something else in his place. It doesn't just step in line in front of him. It eradicates him from our lives. Carrie. Even if we're doing good things, spending our time doing good things, if we don't
2: teach our children constantly and give them an example of knowing God, you're still sacrificing him.
0: Amen. A point taken. Exactly right. And and that was my thinking process on this. Our children pay the price. And we all reap the consequences of us not redeeming the time towards our God and his word and his will for us. So, yes, Mike.
3: If you look back at verse 4 and also verse 31 talks about, you shall not behave thus for the Lord your God. And in verse 4, he says, um, you shall not worship the Lord your God with such things. You know, I think a lot of times we think about idols as something that truly replaces God and, and, and,
1: and dispossesses God from our lives, right? But um, there's also the warning, kind of like the golden calf, where Aaron basically said, this is... You know, this this image or we can't place an idol and say this is the God of the universe
3: and I'm going to worship this idol and worship God of the universe and I think there's there is a difference there because I think
0: sometimes the Israelites did that and we can even do that too if we're not careful with a church building or you know whatever that we're not
3: necessarily removing God from our lives but we're trying to place something else
1: and say this is God and make that connection
0: Well, even even the children of Israel, after they were in the land and were struggling with this same thing over and over again and over again, they had made an idol out of what? The temple. The temple. The temple. Right? Emery. Absolute, absolutely, not. yeah. <clears throat> That—that's thinking like that, you know. Can, someone could actually do that in, with a clear conscience because of ignorance of the truth, right? Ignorance of what God's will is, and we under, we understand that aspect. That's why then that falls to to fall on them, or it fall on us for not doing a good job teaching them, you know, not getting the word to them. Bob, did I see you? Yeah. from not allowing uh, those around us to be an influence to us. Absolutely. And, uh, I agree.
3: And that's why I say the people wait for me, because he knows the influence that the uh, idolatry worshipers are going to have on the Israelites because he knows all things. And I also think at the time when Israel stood up and says,
0: we want a king like the nations around us. And so those around us have a great ability to sway or influence what we do. And we need to be careful about it. We can't leave the world, can we? But we don't have to be of the world. In the world, but not of the world. And actually the world is, our, is our, the vineyard we work in. And we can't be influenced by it. We can't sit down and drink the product and live in a drunken stupor there. We need to be uh, gleaning for the Lord <coughs> what is good uh, for for his glory and for the good of the world who needs him so desperately. Most certainly we uh, can be guilty of the same thing. And it was ev- evidently prevalent there. God warns vehemently of it here. <coughs> and wow, we, you know, Every time we read in the Old Testament, don't, every, you turn every page, you see more and more of, about God's nature. We just be, can come in, become in, intimate with him. That's why we need the Old Testament and the Old Testament accounts so desperately. Because <clears throat> we don't glean that so much from the New Testament, especially if we don't know the, the account that is given us in the Old Testament. then then what we are given in the New Testament is the crowning story of God's nature. That's the giving of his son. That that he could save us all. And what a wonderful, what a wonderful crowning thought that is for God's word. I hope I don't lose my voice. I've been known to do that. I'm getting old. I tell everybody I'm, Three score and ten plus two, so I'm two years past my expiration date. So, and I'll probably forgot, forget I said that to you, and I'll say it again. So, what what, what else would you have up to there? And then we'll we'll uh, jump in thirteen and and talk about these stories, John. yeah yeah very good interesting thought yeah absolutely <clears throat> i think that that applies things are changing rapidly for for these people now right they've been they've been in the wilderness they've been they've been there 40 years they've been conceived and born there or uh, came in as toddlers or uh with the, save a few who were adults uh and uh That's all they've done, and now they're gonna, now they're gonna go in and and take a land, these sheep herders and farmers.
2: And having been in the wilderness, moving from place to place, being for the most part among only themselves, although there were opportunities to be influenced by others, uh, it's not gonna be like what it will be when they go into a populated area. I mean, it's like living on a farm in the middle of nowhere where the only people that you interact with 90% of the time is your immediate family versus living in the middle of an urban community where you see me interact with literally dozens of new or different people every day. Yeah, There's absolutely. a different kind of mindset and it's a different set of temptations and challenges that you can
0: face there. I'm sure it's difficult for them to hear some of these things that God's saying to them because He's telling them that you're gonna go in there, you're gonna be the dominant species. Okay? You're gonna go in there and and with me you will overthrow them. I will overthrow them, you will follow. <laughs> foreign to their ears and uh, there's a, a lot of repetition in the preparation of their minds but uh, Moses here builds them up and, and, and endeavors to uh, uh, teach teach them what they need to know and most of all and they have no reason not to have absorbed the stories that they've been told about what took place in Egypt and their rescue uh, by this powerful God and how he sustained them all this time in a place that was, well, they were unsustainable short short of being uh, under the care of the Holy Father. Lloyd? No? I
1: was just going to say that
0: Very good, very good. Thanks for bringing that up and bringing our minds to bear on that. So yeah, some things never change with God, do they? Just keep saying it. <laughs> That's right. Anybody else? We'll move into thirteen. Yes, Robin. Well, we have adversaries, uh, don't we? Even our our God is mighty. uh, But our adversary would would be Satan. And we we know what he, he pays more attention to those who love the Lord than anyone else because he's already got them. That's a simple concept to grasp, isn't it? And uh, he sets snares all the time and uh, never, never lets up. We know that if we just persevere, that we get to the point where the snares are no longer a threat to us because we see them and we avoid them. And then we use what we've learned by uh, living for the Lord all our lives to help others do the same thing and see those same things. And we we all need to be thinking that way and growing towards that. I was thinking I had a reason I looked down, Robin, I was thinking I had a note. here on, on some other stuff Tommy gave me some notes too well you might imagine Tommy gave me more notes than I had <laughs> he just gave them to me too late <laughs> so but I have I've done some reading but I've not I've not been able to spend as much time you'd probably have a better class if I had but uh, <clears throat> he's, a, he's a great study buddy uh, if, he, if he gets to class on time I appreciate what he uh, did for me in both these chapters. (coughs) Okay. Let's look at 13. Deuteronomy 13. um, There's three seditious scenarios here. That's what the chapter consists of. Uh, And it's all about what we've been talking about. (laughs) Going after unknown God's. I mean this before we get into this. Um, who can who can look up there and read that from their seat nice and loud? David, can you you've got a nice I'm not going to ask you to do it yet because I'm going to just ask you to think about this. What do we know about Israel from studying God's Word that was initially and continually a problem. The pro- let's let's call it the problem. Mary? They had in Egypt they were there. That's right. They were they were introduced to it there. And it seems like it never left them, did it? No matter what. No matter what God did. What was it God called them? What was the He said they were stiff-necked, unwilling to turn the head, you know, just go after one thing, one down their constant downfall was idolatry. And yeah David.. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We see it right right off the bat, don't we? Some Cain's sacrifice was pleasing to the Lord. Or, I mean, uh, Abel's, at, I'll be all right in a minute here. <laughs> you know the story. And uh, Cain's was not. You know, it's a, it's a simple thing. We teach that to people to see that, well, you can worship in a way that God's not happy with. Obviously, the Canaanites uh, did that also didn't they i just can't imagine that there was much instruction on how to worship the ashram and and baal and the 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 other gods that they were uh, tied up with uh, in their worship you bring me a glass of water thank it's you warm, but it's that's okay that's all right won't shock my thank you david it probably won't help, but like I said, two years past my expiration date, and well, the problem continues. That they end up after God, time and time and time again, tells them if you don't, if you don't quit doing that, if you don't stop it, if you don't give yourselves over to me, repent, and return back. They they never do, and they end up in Babylon, don't they? So, this is not a new problem. This is kind of, not really even the beginning of it, but in their respective homeland, it's the beginning of it. (coughs) With ups and downs, you know. They had times when they did well, and times when they didn't. So, okay, David. Read that section for us, please a prophet
3: or a dreamer of dreams rises among you and gives you a sign or a wonder. And the sign of the wonder comes true concerning which he spoke to you saying, Let us go after other gods whom you have not known and let us serve them. You shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams for the Lord your God is testing you to find out if you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. You shall follow the Lord your listen to his voice, serve him, and cling to him. But that prophet or that dreamer of dreams shall be put to death, because he has counseled rebellion against the Lord your God, who brought you from the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house of slavery to to seduce you from the way in which the Lord your God commanded you to walk. So you shall purge the evil from among you.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Everybody here, David, okay? I heard him perfectly up here, but he's talking to me, so. So, verses like one and two right there. This set of verses kind of challenges our thinking a little bit uh, initially, doesn't it? When you first read it, I had to read it and read it and read it and think about it. Uh, We generally validate a prophet by the accuracy of his prophecies, don't we? Uh, Of course, we are not validating the prophet here. That was one of my problems with my thinking. I was trying to validate the prophet instead of just testing the prophet. You know, <clears throat> you know, we could go over to whether you know whether they say something happens. I I don't know if this was. Uh, it says signs or wonders, so it could be any number of things. There, prophets usually spoke, didn't they? That's. That's what they did for the most part. But if there was a sign or a wonder, uh, that's that's what it it says. I'm not quite sure what that means. Um, But uh, in in a a normal situation, uh, you would think if it comes true, then this is this guy's. He's got his stuff together. He's 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 speaking the word of God. He's uh, valid. Yeah, and and we, can, we can listen to him and trust him. We know that we'd go over maybe uh, Jeremiah 28, 9 says, The prophet who prophesies of peace, when the word of the prophet comes to pass, then that prophet will be known as one whom the Lord has truly sent. We could move over into this in our own book here, eighteen twenty two When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the thing does not come about or come true, that is the thing which the Lord has not spoken the prophet has spoken uh, Spoken it presumptuously. You shall not be afraid of him. So we ascribe such things to the, the validation process. Good prophet, bad prophet. Pay attention, don't pay attention to this prophet because, based on that. But there's something different here. There's something different. We, we can't stop with the prophet. There's more information given to us in there. Bob? And- Yeah,
3: it's a confoundry that we're faced with. We are required to determine if the prophet is true of God. And usually the test for that is whatever he says does come true. And so the signs and wonders may be uh, spot on. But if that prophet tells you to do something contrary to what the God of heaven has told you to do,
0: don't listen to him. Yeah there's a problem isn't there innately there's a problem this part looks pretty good you know what's taking place you want to listen a little bit but but then what he says later stands in contrast to what our father in heaven what the holy God has given then it doesn't matter what he did or said does it? Carrie and then Sarah I kind of when I read this I think
3: of this prophet saying, okay, if we're supposed to worship idols, let this happen. And that happens. But I knew a guy that was so, He was debating whether God was real and his words were true. And he talked often and then he said, if I get a hole in one, God is true. And he got a hole in one. It didn't matter whether he
0: got home and or not. God is true. <laughs> That's right. That's right.
3: So it doesn't matter. what God has said, if this comes true, then we're to worship our God. No, that goes not yeah. who God
0: is and what he has told us. I could have pulled that down a lot more simply and just said, if I get this in a fair way. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah. 1st.
2: Beloved, do, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, of which you have heard that it is coming, and now it is already in the world. And I mention that because it's more than just uh, testing the sign, it's testing the message. Amen. And Paul said, if I or an angel from heaven comes with a different message, don't believe it. Don't go after it. Uh, which Bring is it. part of why we have to take the word of God and compare the message of the new prophet with that. And if we don't know the word of God, it's going to be harder to test that um, that message. I mean, Revelation is filled with examples of where these signs that were foretold by the dragon and all of the other critters in the in Revelation they came true, and many people believed. But the message was still a sham.
0: When what we see and what we think we see and what we hear uh, contradict each other. An alarm should go off in our head as the children of God, and that was no different for those folks back then, either uh, they have to line up, they have to be parallel uh, f- holy uh, god 's will, not partially uh, <clears throat> i think I think God clearly allows Satan some latitude in testing his people, no doubt <clears throat> is this some kind of a uh, uh, a trick? Uh, is this some kind of thing where God's not fair? Uh, it, when it speaks to you're being tested, God is testing you? Well, there's, uh, there, there's, there's lots of circumstances uh, that we could spend time looking at. I don't think we need to. I can't believe that. Uh, <clears throat> for, for us to uh, uh, take into consideration that He does have permissive will, and perhaps He does. Let things happen. Maybe he has nothing to do with it, and the prophet just makes a lucky guess. You know, that happens all the time. Anne? But the signs, God tells us that signs do confirm the message. That's how uh, we knew Jesus was real. Yeah. I agree with the aspect that I, I don't know if this was a miraculous sign uh, because yeah, Pharaoh's magicians could produce snakes, uh, you know, were those not snakes? I, I don't know if they were or not, but uh, it seems that they could do some things, but not to the degree uh, that uh, <coughs> Moses could, uh, obviously, but uh, it has, the message has to match The message has to match the sign. If you're thinking one thing, the other thing has to line up. And here it doesn't because it violates the first. Thou shalt not have any other gods before me. (laughs) You stop right there. Alarm goes off.
1: is uh, the, you know, a, a faithless generation for a sign. And he, he makes a point in a number of occasions when he's preaching that that's not really why he's doing what he's doing. With the message, the truth, is what was really important in the first place. The Amen. That part that we're to talk about here is that it's the, the truth of God that we really matters, anyway. The focus isn't on the miracles, but rather on the, you know, the truth and power of the, of the word itself. So even you know, if somebody's capable of performing what might seem to be Truth,
0: then it doesn't really you know, that's, that's Amen. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree with that. So I think we, we get it for sure, Craig, quickly. And we can see
1: in the New Testament that there were individuals possessed by demons who had superhuman strength, the ability to tell fortunes. Mm-hmm. That's right. It didn't matter what miraculous things they were capable of. They were contrary to God's message. And
0: that's so, right.
1: Yeah. When I read this in 13, it, it seems that there is the possibility that they are performing miraculous things. But if, in the process of doing that, they're saying, "Let's do what's contrary to what God has already laid out for us," it doesn't matter if they can, you know, fly into outer space. If they're saying that God isn't real and we should serve someone else, you're not to fear them or listen to them.
0: Yeah, he's placing the emphasis on. On God's word and the truth of God and not the works. For sure. For sure. Very good. God's word trumps every sign and every wonder. You know, there's just no, there's, there's, no, you can, there's no compromise. There's, there's no, no movement there. All those things have been, actually all those signs and wonders and things have been put away, haven't they? Because we have that which is perfect. Has come and we have that, and that's all we need. So I think that's something, and that's the, that's the admonition to these folks: that don't be tricked into going after these gods. Don't 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 let some parlor trick uh, make you think that this that I've sent this person because I have not. Uh, <clears throat> no matter how impressive it might be, and I would take this as something that would make you take notice, you know, say, wow, that's... But then the message would cancel it out, would cancel it out. Um, Well, we're not going to get much past that, it doesn't look like, so we're we're, going to pick up in 6, and I'll try to move a little quicker, because we're going to try to get into 14 as much as we can. So try to uh, read over uh, the rest of 13... and and read 14 for Wednesday night. Thank you all for your good comments and attention.